maybe someone on here can help me. I'm sure someone out there knows something about this. Okay. My name is... No, that's not a good idea. Maybe that's how they found me. That's why I switched to a throwaway account on here in the first place. My name isn't important. I'll get right to it. Something... Something has been following me for the last few days now. I first noticed them in my biology class. It was an odd time for a new student to be enrolling in Professor Crate's class, but okay, stranger things have happened. There was nothing spectacular about her at first glance. She had on a university sweatshirt, some track pants, and a sports watch that looked like it had probably seen better days. If this was any other day in any other class, I probably would have never given them a second glance, but Professor Crate's class was one of my smaller courses. Everyone knew everyone, and most importantly, the professor knew everyone. He made damn sure he was going to call on you at least a handful of times to make sure you were paying attention. Anytime I'm in his class, it's so nerve-wracking. This new chick never got called on once. The luck on her. I started praying she would. I wanted to hear her name. I was curious. We had a pop quiz that day in class. I hated being surprised. I'd much rather know when something's coming, especially a test. ADD and apprehension do not blend well with surprises. I couldn't look down at the paper anymore. Nothing was making sense. I knew I had to concentrate, but I had this magnetic pull redirecting my attention to my left down the row of seats. And there she was, just looking straight at me. No pencil in hand, nothing. I don't think she was even doing the test. This was the first time we locked eyes. There was something so majestically beautiful about her, yet so offensive at the same time. She had this silky, smooth, pale, white skin with this short black hair pulled back into a bun. Come to think of it, her whole body had a paleness about it. Judging by her pale skin, you could say sunlight never even touched her, yet her dark hair had a brownish tint to it kind that someone would get after spending a while in the sun. The more disturbing features on her were her eyes and her mouth. They looked cruel and sad, almost sick, like a person who had the flu and was dehydrated for a week. Now, I am by no means a perfect person, and I never claimed to be. Please forgive me for saying this when I tell you that her appearance... It startled me. I try not to pass judgment on people. Maybe she was sick. Maybe she didn't believe in wearing makeup. Maybe she had a bad day. But whatever it was, it just terrified me. Judge me all you want, but you weren't there. You did not lock eyes with her. I recoiled in shock. A couple of students next to me rolled their eyes at me as to say, Jeez, take a pill, you nut. Xanax or an Ativan would have been like heaven, but not now. There was no time for mellowing out. I had a test to take. The 
When the chromosomes line up in mitosis, this is known as witch phase. Oh, come on, come on. Shit, I know this. The answer wasn't coming to me. Just then, a shrewd ringing flooded my ears. I'd never heard anything like this noise before. It was miserable. My temples throbbed in pain. Suddenly, a voice filled my head, a low, guttural whisper. Did you tell them yet? The girl's brutish mouth was moving, but it was like she had a Bluetooth connection straight to my brain. The words weren't directly coming out of her mouth. Tell your parents the truth. You're on academic probation. You'll never make it here. No! I instinctively shot up from my seat. My pencil and paper went flying across the room. A stagnant classroom of about 25 other students turned to face me in unison. Excuse me, Adams, Professor Craig called out. What's the problem here? I wanted to say something, but I had no clue what a remotely acceptable answer might even be. I opened my mouth, but no words came out, so I bolted for the door as fast as I could. Well, my grade on that test was shot. In the bathroom, I splashed cold water on my face and tried to calm myself down. I know what I saw, but there had to be some sort of rational explanation for why I saw it. I'd been studying very hard. Maybe I wasn't sleeping enough and my brain was playing a trick on me. It had to be it. I splashed some ice cold water from the sink onto my face and let every muscle in my body settle while I tried to process what had just happened to me. I was a tired, anxiety-stricken college student. I wasn't the first and I wouldn't be the last. Things would be quiet for a day or so, and I managed to put the whole incident out of my mind. It was an early Saturday morning, so that meant it was time to put my rear in gear and get to the gym. I took one Prima Force caffeine capsule and was ready to go. It was strength day, and I was prepared to work up a sweat. What I was not prepared for was the reason why I'd be sweating so hard in the first place. I was working on triceps when I saw her again over at the free weights. Seeing her in workout clothes like this, she looked even more frail and sickly than in class. And there she was, lifting the free weights like no one I'd ever seen before. One rep after another, no struggling to breathe, nothing. I swear, she turned to me and started doing the repetitions one-handed just to show off. Then her mouth started moving again. My ears started ringing again as her voice intruded my thoughts. Why do you even waste your time coming here? You're not even trying. Who let you in here? However she was doing it, I was determined not to let her get into my head. She had the nerve to call me a wimp. I'd show her. I pushed myself harder than I ever had before. My face looked like it could combust at any second. Sweat poured down my forehead like a thunderstorm. I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit, but I wouldn't. I refused to show weakness in front of this woman, this, this thing, but still, the harsh words persisted. You'll never be good enough. 
Screw you. The weights on my machine came crashing down. Two other guys were standing in front of me, and I have no clue where they came from. One of them ripped my headphones out of my ears. What's going on? They asked me. You gonna give up the machine or not? You can have it just as soon as I'm done, I protested. That girl over there tried to call me a wimp. I ain't gonna let that slide. Who are you talking about? I pointed toward the freeways, but when they stepped out of the way and unimpeded my view, she was gone, and the weights hung neatly back on the rack. She couldn't have gone away that fast. My mind was not playing tricks on me. I was sure of it. In class, I was the only one that could hear her, and now I learned I was the only one that could see her. I wish I could say... That was the end of things. However, we wouldn't be right here right now if that was true. The taunts were one thing. I could handle those. As long as she kept her distance, I guess I could deal with some telepathic bullying. Lord knows, I was bullied enough as a kid. I was used to it. When things turned physical, though, we had a problem. The next time we crossed paths, I was at McDonald's on the way to school. I was in line waiting for my meal, which by my calculations was at least seven or eight hundred. I know they say it's not good to keep track of every meal like that, but I wasn't going to let myself go overboard. No matter what that thing said about me, I knew how hard I'd been pushing myself, and I knew my life was on the right track. I wasn't about to mess it up. I turned around after collecting my food. That's when she caught me off guard, sending my meal plummeting to the floor. Her hands gripped tightly around my neck, and again, the ringing came into my ears. What's the matter? Don't you follow the doctor's orders? She whispered. If you gave up this food, you wouldn't need your niacin anymore. My eyes widened, my lungs ceased to draw breath. Why wasn't anyone helping? I was in the middle of a crowded place, and first this thing knew about my grades, now she knew of my medical history? How deep did this creature's well of knowledge of me go? To the top? How far back? Every other encounter had been from a distance, but not this one. If I was ever going to stop this thing, now was my chance, while they were physically near me, to bring them down in front of everyone and uncloak them through the entire world, or just McDonald's. With every ounce of strength I could muster in my entire body, I began to fight back. I screamed and I pulled and I yanked her hands, or what might as well have been the jaws of life. Get away from me, you crazy bitch! I triumphantly shouted as I threw the greatest right hook I probably ever achieved in my life. My victory was short-lived, though. The manager and two McDonald's employees were wrestling me to the ground. Hey, take it easy. If you don't calm down, we're gonna have to call the cops. Yeah, no kidding, I said. That lady over there just attacked me. She's laughing at me. I can hear her laughing at me. My attacker, lying face down on the floor after my punch, stood up and turned to face me. Suddenly she was gone. And standing before me was an elderly Hispanic male, nowhere near close to the soul-stirring, sickly, frightening Caucasian female. And here we are now. 
As soon as they loosened their grip, I got the hell out of Dodge. I wasn't sticking around to get arrested. Screw going to class, honestly. Screw going out. It can get me anytime, anywhere. Has anyone else dealt with this before? I don't know what to do. I've locked all my doors, sealed all my windows. It can appear and disappear in and out of anybody. I don't know who to trust or... I can even trust myself. I was in the bathroom, looking in the mirror before, and... There she was. She looked like me, but it was her voice. She wasn't fooling me. My pills plummeted from the medicine cabinet down the sink's drain. Xanax, Vivance, Naison were all gone in a flash. A low, maniacal laugh followed by that guttural whisper taunted me. I'm in every voice that you've ever heard inside of your head. You're right to be scared of the dark. You know that feeling you get when the covers are pulled up to your face? When you're lying in the dark, your eyes open but too afraid to look. That feeling makes you a child again, holding your breath while you say to yourself, if I don't look, maybe it'll go away. If you muster your courage to stare back at the watcher in the dark, it'll be gone. If you're lucky. I'm not. Let me tell you about when my life fell apart. It was 1982. I was in the kitchen. Mom said that there was no such thing as monsters. I can hear it now, clear as day. You're too old for that crap. She spoke over her shoulder from the stove. I'd been having nightmares, and she couldn't keep waking up in the middle of the night. Work started early and ended late. That's kid stuff, Johnny. I saw the dark circles under her eyes and the way her face sagged with fatigue. She was working double shifts to make ends meet, and it was wearing her thin as a coin passed through too many hands. I need to rest, she said. She wasn't telling me as much as she was pleading, and even as a kid I could hear the difference. I made my part in it worse. The pan rattled across the burner and I could smell the sausages browning. It was Sunday, so breakfast was more than Wonder Bread and peanut butter. Granddad sat in the kitchen too. He was drinking his coffee from an off-white mug with a chipped rim. He had a cigarette in his other hand, and when he wasn't taking a drag, his hand was on the table next to GPCs like he was guarding him. Granddad called them good people cigarettes. His nose was almost as red as the Marlboro's he couldn't afford once he'd been laid off. He coughed, his face blue with the effort, but as soon as he could breathe again, the cigarette was back in his mouth. Mom dropped two links on my plate from the sizzling pan. When I was your age, I was already working odd jobs to help out. I didn't know what to say, so I just kept my mouth shut. And I wasn't keeping my folks up half the night. Granddad rescued me, 
He knows, Tammy. Give it a rest. He looked at me, and I could see that he was asking for assurance. I was just a kid, but also somehow the fulcrum on which the family's troubles pivoted. Maybe that's not entirely true, but it seemed that way to me. I was a mouth to feed, a knot keeping the ends from meeting. Those dark circles, that tired sag that pulled at her mouth, one way or another, I was using Mom up. By stealing her sleep, I was tightening its grip. Shame's heavy, and it bent me just then. Granddad noticed me sag in my chair. Johnny's just shook up. He'll be all right. He didn't look so sure, but he gave me a nod anyway. Right? Yeah. I knew I was lying. So did Mom, but she kept her peace and dropped two dollops of scrambled egg next to the links on my plate. High cotton. That's what Granddad said about sausage and eggs. I didn't feel it, though. Not that morning. He used a fork to cut the links into bits and to mix everything together. I usually liked mine separate and made sure no egg touched sausage, but I watched them meet in the middle as though they were best friends. I lost my appetite somewhere so far off that even the smell of Jimmy Dean couldn't call it back. He watched me scooting my sausages around, took a long pull from his cigarette and winked. His eyes were playful, conspiratorial even. Mom joined us with a plate of her own. Shit, she said suddenly. I forgot the toast. In a moment, she was back with a small plate stacked with five or six slices of white bread, a bit more burnt than brown. Eat up, she said. And I did, one joyless bite at a time. High cotton. That's what Sunday morning meant. Sunday afternoon was a lazy affair at my house, and this one was no exception. Granddad leafed through old magazines, nodding off now and then. The pages were dog-eared, and he'd read the stories before, but he didn't mind. Mom washed her hair in the bathroom sink and took a long nap. I went outside while Mom slept. It was sunny and hot. I decided to poke around in the shed. It was under an old maple, and dappled with shade and sun in the summer camouflage. The shed was never locked because there was never nothing worth stealing. I opened the door and stepped in. It smelled like rust and oil and old wood, and the light that shone through its only window spotlighted the dance and swirl of the dust in the air. I poked around a bit, looking for something, anything. I might take my mind off my mom. I had a file in one hand, and I was wearing away at the head of the bolts, attaching the beat-up vice to the work table. Each push gave a raspy sound and the glint of shiny new steel. One push carried my knuckles too far, and I scraped them across the sharp edge of the vice. I peeled the skin back, and the blood welled up under the curl. I stuck my hand in my mouth and tasted the metallic tang. My knuckles stung, and I winced as I ran my tongue over the flap of skin. And then I saw it. In the corner of my eye, I could just make out a shadow blacker than the black against which it stood. 
two long arms with long hands and long fingers that looked more like claws to me. It's just my imagination. No, it's not, John. My father's voice. My eyes were on the workbench, but I focused on the shadow without looking. It grew, stretching in the dark, raising those long-fingered hands. My breath caught. I dropped the file and it clunked on the wood floor. I forgot about my knuckle. The hair on my arms stood up and I could feel my heart skipping, starting faster, pounding, trying to escape my chest. I was too scared to look at it directly. I thought about running for the door, but the shadow was right there, just beside it. It had long arms. I'd never make it. I edged into the light from the window, trying my best not to look. I thought maybe if I just ignore it, it'd go away. But you tell yourself that too, don't you? Late at night. Something in me knew better. Something in you does too, I bet. It was moving, inching toward the mostly closed door. I was pretending not to look, but I took another sideways step into the light. I could feel the sun on my skin in the light. The darkness deepened. I couldn't make out the shadow anymore, but I knew it was there. It's there, all right, Johnny. Don't you doubt it. Now the voice was Granddad's. The door closed with a thud. My chest ached from the effort of keeping my breath in check. I had to do something. I grabbed a hammer, a big heavy one with a painted red wooden handle. You stay away from me, I yelled. I mean it, you just... My words died in my throat. It was there. I could see it now, blacker than black, getting darker every second. It was creeping closer, sliding like it was on rails. My hands shook. My lower lip began to quiver. White, hot panic burned in my mind, and every thought but run was smoke in its wake. But I was frozen, and my feet wouldn't budge. It stopped at the edge of the light. It slid around the side, staying just beyond the patch of white on the floor. It was close. Really close. The light was small, but it was everything. Mom wasn't much on church, and she never taught me to pray, but I prayed my heart out that some passing cloud didn't happen by just then. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I wasn't holding my breath. I was trying to take one in, and it wouldn't come. We stood like that for a long time, the hammer heavy in my arms, and they began to ache, but I didn't lower my guard. It was trying to get behind me when the shed door opened. What the hell are you doing? Mom asked. She noticed the wet patch on my jeans. What the hell, John? I mean... I stood there, lip quivering, hammer held high, until she shook me by the arm and dragged me out of the yard into the sunlight. Oh, sunlight. And into the house. She was angry about my wet jeans, but I didn't care. 
Mom was making dinner in the kitchen. Granddad and I were in the living room. He was on the couch. I was on the floor, sitting crisscross applesauce. He turned off the TV. Wasn't watching it anyway. What's wrong, Johnny? He took a long pull and breathed out through his nose. His face was wreathed in blue smoke. I eyed the window. The sun was setting. It would be dark soon. Nothing, I said, trying to guess how long the light would hold, watching the shadows grow across the front yard. Doesn't look like nothing to me, he said. Come up here and talk, man to man. I joined him on the couch, and he crushed the nub of his cigarette into the ashtray. It was brown glass, made to look like amber. What's wrong? He asked, tussling my hair. Nothing. He could see that it was something, and the tussling stopped. He caught my eye with a long, sideways look of one milky brown eye. Some men think they should keep their troubles to themselves. Not me. A trouble shared is a trouble lessened, I say. He paused for a breath or two. I could hear how bad his lungs were. What's your trouble, Johnny? In the shed... Oh. It was too ridiculous to even say. Kid stuff. It was Mom's voice in my head. You're too old for that crap. What about the shed? Well, I... You saw some, didn't you? I nodded. I thought you might. The nightmares. He coughed. One of the really bad ones that doubled him over and brought tears to his eyes. They're just nightmares, Johnny. He wiped his eyes. His voice was high and tight and wheezy. Some folks are more... sensitive. The nightmares let you know when it's around. That got my attention like a slap. What do you mean? He'd recovered and his hand wandered over to the pack of GPCs. Well, some folks see things. Other folk can't or won't. He had my eye again, and I could feel his intensity. You follow me? He fished a cigarette out of the pack and held it, unlit, rolling it in his fingers. I guess, I said. You're at that age now. That age when either you stop seeing it or start seeing it more than you'd like. The way he said it quickened the hair on the back of my neck. Every follicle was alive and tingling. That shadow. My voice was barely a whisper. Yeah, he said. I was stunned. It was like I'd known a secret that no one else can share, and suddenly I found out that everyone already knows. Granddad knew. He'd seen it too, as real as the shadow had been. This was impossible to believe. You see it too? I asked. He looked at the cigarette in his hand and then back at me. Yeah. Really? 
I asked. He nodded, a slow motion move of his head. You be careful, Johnny, he said. Some things lose their power when you say them out loud. I found out then that this wasn't one of them. It was way worse after he'd admitted that it was dangerous. Way worse. I was about to ask more when Mom came in. She didn't want to hear this, and I knew I couldn't bear to make it harder on her. Dinner, she said. Later, Granddad said. We'll talk about it later. Mom had a double shift the next day and went to bed early. Me and Granddad waited till we were sure she was asleep. I watched the windows like a hawk. It was full of dark, and the hair on my arms was at attention. He took one last glance at the hall. Then, his voice as low as a cricket's belly, he said, Johnny, you gotta watch out now. Hearing him say it gave me the shivers. Once it knows, you can see it. It'll come for me, won't it? I asked, barely able to get the words out. He was having the same trouble, so he nodded. Millions, hell, billions of parents tell their kids that there's nothing in the dark that's not there in the light. You've done it yourself, haven't you? You repeat it until you believe it, or nearly so, and you hope your kids believe it too, but maybe it's you who need to believe. Maybe it's you who need the consultation. Maybe because you know, deep down, that there are things that go bump in the night. I knew it. So did Granddad. I'm going to watch over you tonight. You'll be safe as houses, I promise. That helped a little. But I'm not always going to be there. I shook my head, but he continued. And when I'm not, you'll need to keep watch yourself. You hear me? Yeah. The word was more breath than speech. Good. When the nightmares come on heavy, that's a sign it's around. Why does it... I'm not sure. Maybe it feeds on us at night, stealing a little bit of you when you sleep. He lit a new cigarette from the old one and puffed it to life. I think it comes for those who can see it. Maybe it ignores them that can't or won't. You know what I mean. I did. Even if Mom saw it, she would convince herself that she hadn't. I said so, and he nodded. Yeah. His tone told me that he wanted to be a little more like Mom. But what can I do? I, I mean to stay safe. The light, Johnny. Stay in the light. Neither of us could dare talk about it anymore. There are things you can say in the daylight that you won't dare in the dark. It was getting late, and Granddad told me to get ready for bed. I had the covers up like a shield. The lamp was on, and my room was fairly well lit. The overhead was busted, but it had always been busted, and there was a problem within the wiring. The overhead was busted, but it had always been busted, and there was a problem with the wiring. 
Granddad was in the corner in a battered fabric chair. He was wearing his red and black plaid shirt with the sleeves rolled up, and he had a big silver Rayovac sportsman with him, the kind that took two D-cell batteries. Something about the chrome reminded me of a knight's sword. I felt a lot better with him there. I'll watch over you, he said. I tucked my head under the blankets. I didn't want to see. I didn't want to see it. I was tired and scared, but my eyes were heavy. At some point, I fell asleep. I woke up suddenly. Granddad was still in the corner, but his flashlight was on, and he was shining it under the bed. I sat up, he saw that I was awake. His face was pale as fresh paint, and the rayovac shook in his hand. I could hear the batteries rattle. Don't get out of bed, he said. Why? I rubbed my eyes. I was still groggy. It's under the bed, Johnny. I was wide awake then. Don't get out of the bed, he repeated. He wasn't asking. I jumped to my feet, the saggy mattress bouncing slightly under my weight. What do you mean? It's under the fucking bed. Don't move. I was ten years old, and I never heard Granddad so much as say shit. This was bad. Real bad. I couldn't stay on the bed. No way, no how. So I ran the step or two to the end of the mattress and jumped for all it was worth. No! Granddad yelled. I traveled too far and too fast and hit the window in midair, flattening the blinds and tangling in them, ripping them from the wall when I fell backward toward the bed. Toward the bed. Granddad was off the chair in an old man's flash, but my hand was falling into the shadow even as I tried to stop it. Upside down on the floor, I could see it too, flat as a doormat in the shadow under the bed. I snatched my hand to my chest as it reached for me, and not even a hair's breadth separated its fingers from mine. It was cold and misty, like my hand in the freezer to get ice. Jesus, Johnny. I'm okay. I'm uh, I'm okay. I said, finding my feet. I hopped up and down like it was Christmas morning. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I was yelling, but I didn't know it. Granddad didn't either, but we figured out when Mom burst through the door. What the hell? She yelled, her bathrobe trailing behind her like a cape. John? Mac? What the hell's going on? Her hands were on her hips, and her face was as red as Granddad's nose. She pointed a finger at Granddad. If it had been a gun, he'd have been dead. You! Out! He gave me one long, pitiful look that said, What can I do? Mom stood her ground like a titan, and he trudged into the hall past her, his head down, defeated, worried, and afraid. And then it was my turn. You! In the bed! Now, what was I supposed to say? That there was a monster under the bed? That I needed Granddad to keep watch? Haven't your kids said the same thing? I picked up the Rayovac and leapt into the bed. Not flounced, not jumped, 
leapt like Bruce fucking Jenner at the Olympics. When I get home, John, that threat needed no conclusion. She turned and slammed the door, but not before she switched off the lamp. I sat with the flashlight. I knew it wouldn't be enough. I was on the tracks, tied to the rails, and the train was coming, and there was no hero waiting just off screen to run in and save the day. It was really dark in there, and there wasn't even a light peeking under the door. It was in its element. I could hear Mom giving it to Grandad in the kitchen down the hall, but I couldn't concentrate on the words. My heart was as loud as her cursing, and my mouth felt like it had never known a sip of water. I had the Rayovac in one hand like a spear, and I was shining the light at the edges of the bed, moving frantically from this side to that, from headboard to my feet and back again. It was waiting, savoring my fear. You know it does that, don't you? That's when Mom came in. In the instant before the ball blew up, she saw it and her mouth dropped open and her eyes grew just like they did on the Saturday morning cartoons. I heard her take a loud breath, the substance of a scream filling her lungs, but it was black now and there was a rush of air. She was gone. Gone. I was screaming, tearing at the doorknob, running down the hall toward the light. My socked feet slid on the kitchen floor, and I smashed into cabinets hard enough to send my head spinning. The Rayovac skittered across the tired yellow linoleum. Grandad overturned the table. He saw something, too, because it was a few minutes before I could get to him to see me or answer my frantic questions. It had been right behind me in the hall all the way to the edge of the kitchen. We waited there until morning. I know it sounds crazy. I know it does. But we did. Even then, every light in the house was on as we searched my room for Mom. Of course, we never found her. Folks think she ran out like Dad did. At the double shifts, Bills and me and Granddad were just too much in the end, but we knew better. I knew better. That was 1982. A long time ago. Granddad and me had a hard time of it, and soon enough I was working those odd jobs to make ends meet. They never really did, not even close. Granddad passed before too long, and I got more help from the state and foster care. The Willises weren't so bad, and Fred and Rita did as well by me as they could. I sold the house when I turned 18. I've got stacks of bulbs in the kitchen closet, 60 watts, 100 watts, fluorescence, you name it. My lights are all rigged to a master switch in each room to one flip, everything's lit. I won't have it any other way. When the nightmares come, and they do come, I keep the lights on all night. The Rayovac's been replaced by a mag light rechargeable, and I keep a Q-beam by the bed just in case. Every room has a few lamps and an overhead. The wiring's like new. 
I want you to know that when you get that terrible feeling, that feeling of being watched from the dark, you're not alone. When you pull the blankets up like a shield and slide your head down and pull your feet up, I do too. When you feel it watching from the dark or pull back a cold hand dangling over the side of the bed, when you feel like a kid and you try to tell yourself nothing's there but your imagination even though you know there's something there there is kids go missing all the time don't they and sometimes they die in their sleep even though there's nothing wrong with them and sometimes parents just get up and go when they've had enough but maybe just maybe not all those kids ran away and maybe them that die see something before they do. And sometimes, just sometimes, those parents didn't run off when times got hard. And you're right to be afraid of the dark and what's in it.